0: So I wonder if that raised the video we've just watched from livingout.org, someone's story, whether that already raised some questions for you. I'd welcome those, you know. I'd love to just, even if at the end of tonight you think, you know what, I've wanted to ask these two, three, four questions, whatever. Can you address them in following weeks? And I'd love to be able to do that. But I remember that a few months ago, back when you could walk into town and there were other people there, and the shops were open one of the ladies uh, who was holding a clipboard the people who normally avoid managed to uh, catch my eye and she was telling me about her charity deaf uh, a charity that helps deaf people and the first question that she had for me was how old are you and I was so a little bit personal isn't it a bit personal for Britain and um, and I said well you know I'm 30 I was 30 at the time and she said well I'm sorry, I, I can't ask you to commit to giving to this charity. I said, why is that? He said, well, it's just that your age bracket, you tend to commit to giving one month and then you quit the next. And I was like, you just assume so much about me from just my age. You know, that's, that's pretty crazy, right? But that is an example of something that we can do with each other and something that Christians do with other people, other people do with Christians. They hear that, oh, you're a Christian. Well, then the title question for tonight, you don't love the LGBT community. You don't love this or that group of people. And I want to say, let's be really careful not to assume lots of things about people. I remember I was doing a uh, school assembly, and at the end of the assembly, as all the pupils were coming out, you've got no time to chat to anybody, two girls come up and they say, would you marry two men in your church? And I was like... We got five seconds like how can I meaningfully talk to you at this time so long story short I said you know in your school I do a Christian Union every week how about you come and we chat with all the other you know young people who are there over a hot chocolate and some biscuits and she was like oh, okay but she never came they never came and I was like oh these things take time and That's just indicative of how hard it can be to have a meaningful conversation with anyone about important issues. So, how do we talk with people who don't actually believe we care about them in the first place? So, in part one of our talk this evening, uh, we're going to talk about issues of worldview and where people are coming from when it comes to that. And then in part two, we're going to see what do we do with that worldview when we talk with people, when they ask us questions. Okay, So part one, more theoretical, maybe part two, a bit more practical. So what makes it difficult, I think, for us to talk about these things? Well, one is that sometimes the person we're talking with wants us to acknowledge that the church, that Christians, haven't always been very kind to the LGBT community. And we might have to acknowledge that. And that's, I think, a fair thing to say and to do. Sometimes, though... If somebody's talking to me and actually they're really not convinced I care about them one bit it might be that that's not the right time that I just want to affirm I do care about you and I want to show you I want to show you in our friendship and perhaps another time we can talk about this when you trust me a little bit more that might be where you are Uh, I think above all we would want people you know who are watching uh, people who are sitting here to know that whatever anyone's background is we want to love them we want to welcome them we don't want to discriminate against anybody and we want everyone to know that they would be safe sharing with us whatever part of their lives I think that's really really important when you talk with other people another thing that's really hard is that people confuse being able to disagree with someone with disagreeing with their existence like some people because that's such a core identity issue if you disagree with anything they might take it as a, I'm not worthy of being called a human being. We never want to convey that uh, to anyone. But one other thing that makes this difficult, just pile them all up, okay? What makes it hard to talk about this? The way that the media portrays us Christians, right? I mean, the latest example for me, I'm going to play a clip uh, for you right now of a Netflix show called Superstore, which is a comedy uh, sitcom. Uh, and the Christian characters, obviously completely nonsensical, right? He is just stupid. Um, And in this one clip, he's trying to be cool about the whole gay marriage thing, and you will see uh, what happens. So let's just play that right now. How's this? It's nice. But is it gay enough? I I don't want to be kicking myself later that we should have gone more gay. Let's err on the side of gay. It feels appropriately gay. Good. You know, I have to say, you're much more open-minded than i thought thank you people assume all christians are homophobes yeah that is ignorant you can't imagine how hard it is being stereotyped sure i I mean if anything jesus went out of his way to accept everyone (sighs) lepers prostitutes not that i'm comparing agreed yeah i think jesus would have been pro-gay marriage Absolutely. He would have been pro-gay adoption. For all we know, Jesus himself is gay. Today's Tuesday, right? So that means Wednesday's coming. I mean, wholly apart from the number of misconceptions um, in that short video clip, you imagine the whole show, um, one of the things that's so hard, isn't it, is that at best... In the media, a Christian is someone who is just blissfully deceived. They're just unable to explain what they believe, why they believe it, where it comes from, and to be able to respect other people while doing that. And I think one of of the ways that I've seen this play out is when people repeat a slogan or some sort of a label that they've heard somewhere else. Because I remember doing um, a uh, club that we used to do on a Friday in a previous school, And one of the girls, a year eight girl, said, why are Christians homophobic? And I said, you know, normally, take a deep breath, okay? And I said, do you know any Christians in this school? She said, yes. I said, are any of them people who treat uh, anyone in the LGBT community badly? She said, no. I said, so what do you think? Do you think Christians are homophobic? She said, no. But she had learned to simply repeat a slogan, even if all of her friends were proving otherwise. And so that's really complex, this issue. Not least because you might have a friend who actually has lots and lots of terms that he or she would need you to understand to participate in the conversation. There are lots of terms I had to read about that I didn't know two years ago, You know, gender, transgender, which is an umbrella term, the difference between sex and gender identity and what dysphoria might be, and binary, non-binary, and queer, which apparently used to be a bit of a pejorative word, but actually has been re-owned, and you can do a degree in queer studies and that sort of thing. And I'm like, wow, this is all very, very different. And so I want to make the extra effort to listen to where people are coming from because their worldview is very important. And so I'm going to ask questions. And I'm going to be wearing grenades. Do you remember that last week we mentioned a few comments? Oh, I might not be selected. Um, questions that people might um, ask, or things that people say that stump us, like, "Oh, it doesn't make sense to believe in God." Later, we're going to ask questions like, "Which God don't you believe in?" Perhaps if I ask that question, we might find that the God you describe is really not the God of the Bible, not the God I believe in either. Or when someone says it's wrong to force your views on other people I want to listen I want to learn what they mean so I want to say does that include your view what do you mean by forcing on other people are you forcing that view on me all Christians are homophobic we're going to talk about that uh, questions that we might want to ask our friends um, in relationship to that as well but there are lots of things that are difficult about this you might have to explain it to your children to people of your age to elderly people Um, it's difficult to explain when people don't know that the background they're coming from assumes all sorts of things about us being the result of an evolutionary process. And so when we ask the question, what's the worldview people are coming uh, from in this question, we get a lot of insight. And we're going to talk about, obviously, the worldview of the Bible. But before we do that, let me just tell you this. If you have come um, wondering, what about all these verses in the Bible that say X, Y, Z? Can I point you to a terrific sermon by Andy Bruins from 2019? So you go on our website, October the 20th, 2019, um, and he will deal with that. Tonight, I'll try and do, uh, make a few comments on how we approach people and where we're coming from. So what's the worldview is the question we want to ask. Before we get there, I may or may not have told you that we have some families here in our church that I've come to appreciate are very different. Not just in the individual personalities of the children, but would you understand what I mean when I say that some families have their family personalities? Would you, things that make you a Bruins or a Nichols or a, you know, a Housley or a Mumford? Like, you know what I mean? Um, and one of the things that I found with one of the families I shall leave unnamed here is their idea of authority. So we were cleaning the church one time, and uh, a child was holding an antibacterial spray bottle, and I said jokingly, should spray your mom with that they did they went and they sprayed their mom in the face um, and, I, and I, I was very apologetic I said oh, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry you know I, I didn't realize and then I thought they have all the children obviously if I'd done that with the older children they wouldn't have done that and so I did and they sprayed their mom again. And, and I just thought oh my goodness this is outrageous but it reminded me again don't be foolish but recognize that authority matters Your authoritative voice, at least with some children in the church, matters. And so when we ask, on this issue, what authority are people trusting in? What worldview are they listening to? That is really, really important, isn't it? So let's look at the story of the Bible and see how, if God is our authority, that changes the way that we understand identity and everything else. Because if I'm the result of an evolutionary process, I'm the byproduct of that, then why can't I decide what my identity is? That would make very good sense to me. But what if I was made and my identity comes from outside myself, like God gives me value? Let's talk about that for a second. One helpful way to do it is to say that we split the story of the Bible into creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. So have a look at this then if we're thinking about creation oh messed up my slides one of the things that we find when we look at the first book of the bible is this god is when he creates he's super personal he's involved in people's lives Um, he's not distant he has a plan for them it's a loving plan that the physical body of the people he makes is good their bodies are good the fact that they are sexed beings they have sexuality it's good they're naked not even ashamed of it fantastic wonderful um, there are differences in the bodies of men and women and they are actually celebrated and even in their personalities in some parts of the body we might even discover medically only have the function of giving joy um, as opposed to any procreative ability that says something about how God creates but we know that we didn't leave the story like that because when you skip a chapter two, Genesis chapter 3 We find that our desire to not be under God's loving rule brings a lot of destruction and sin has always been this idea that God is who is infinitely wise is the God that I look at and I say I want to create my own identity and my own purpose and not be under your loving rule and there's a lot of harm yet he doesn't give up on his creation and we learn that since the fall No one in this room here has their sexuality sorted. No one in this room, whether they are lesbian, bisexual, transgender, has their sexuality as God intended it. There's no married man in this room who isn't sometimes tempted by something he shouldn't indulge in. Same thing for the ladies, same thing for children as they grow and discover their sexuality. And if we don't let the Scriptures tell us which desires to feed, which desires to suppress, we could end up in a really, really hurtful place. Because even those who are not Christians would say, yeah, adultery is bad. That's a desire you should suppress. Unfaithfulness, selfishness in sex, dishonesty. None of that um, are things that we would say, yeah, encourage that. And I think all of that amounts to us being able to say, as Andy quoted this morning in Romans 8.22, when we experience all of these things, we're looking at the story of the Bible and saying, the fall is very true. None of us are sorted. We all have desires we shouldn't have. And Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And so the Bible actually has all the resources to say, to explain to us why it is that we could be made by God, but have all sorts of desires, that we shouldn't indulge in for our own good. The Bible even goes so far as to say that our hearts are so deceitful that we can't trust them all the time. And as a result of that brokenness and inherited sinfulness since Adam and Eve, we don't feel at home in our world. So The world's broken, there are viruses, uh, there are environmental disasters. We don't feel at home in our communities. Because in all of our communities, there's tension, there's conflict, there's, you know, broken relationships. We don't feel at home in our bodies. Our bodies don't always work like they should. Our joints creak, or we might struggle with anxiety or stress or depression, or with a legacy in the past that has so affected the wiring of our brain that we have all sorts of issues to sort through. We might have body image issues, or we might have a distressing sense that our sense of who we are doesn't match our biological sex, also known as gender dysphoria. All of those things, not working as they should, are consequences of the fall, the world being broken. And the challenging thing for me, when when I talk about this with you tonight, is believing all of this stuff means that out of all of the people that the LGBT community knows, we should be the most understanding of all because we see our own brokenness. And so we couldn't look at someone and judge and say, well, your sexuality is not whole. Because we look inside ourselves and we see the need for redemption, which is the next bit in our story. That Jesus is the one who ultimately knows what it's like to be in a body that is nothing like how he existed in eternity. That's a really interesting thing the author uh, sam Alberry says it like this i'll paraphrase the jesus experienced the ultimate feeling of being in the wrong flesh when he became sin for us so that we could become sons and daughters of god by Jesus' death he took upon himself this body that would die and that's why the author of hebrews can say this for this reason He had to be made like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to god and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted yet he's able to help those who are being tempted and so we look at this whole picture of what jesus does and we say we long for the day when he will make us whole when he will do with our bodies what God the Father did with his, so that Jesus is not tempted, Jesus um, is never going to die, and the promise for us is not that when we say to someone, come and become a Christian, that if they are uh, bisexual or transgender, that they all of a sudden become heterosexual. That's not the promise. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that wherever anyone is in life, If they come and ask jesus for forgiveness they enter into a new family and they have the hope that they will have a resurrection body that will never not enjoy god's love and so it's key for us to have all of that story we're going to stop there that's kind of the part one but just a few things for you to think about number one it that's why it's key for you to remember the question that we asked last week if you have all of this stuff at the back of your mind when you talk with a friend Or a neighbor or someone else um, about this issue then perhaps that's not an issue that you want to lead with it might be that the most wise thing that you can do the wisest thing that you can do is say what do you think about Jesus I know this really matters to you but I'm just really interested the other thing that might be really important for you to know is that you're not going to sort out any conversation and get the whole gospel in in one sitting That's just, I mean, that can happen if you have a really good conversation. It's just not been my experience that you go from beginning to end with one person there. And the other thing that's really hard, thirdly, is it's hard for you and I to accept that if you are a Christian, whatever you believe in every age, there will always be one issue where you are the minority. And this is one. So when you feel like when you believe what the Bible says about sexuality, that indulging in same-sex desires is not part of God's best plan for us. You are a minority, but that's okay. And we love people. But this is where we're coming from. So, in a moment, uh, we're going to sing. And after we're going to sing, we're going to ask the question, how do I talk about it? So I'm going to pray now. Um, just to let some of those things sink in about where we're coming from in our worldview from the Bible. I'm just going to give you a few seconds to do that before I pray. Father in heaven, it's hard sometimes for us to understand how to communicate all that we've just said as a message of hope to someone who doesn't know you yet or to someone who has all sorts of misconceptions about you being a vicious God or a a God that is joyless. But it's great to be able to hear just now a story of someone who can say, anything that I give up is nothing compared to what I gain in the love of God and the forgiveness He offers. Father, help us to understand that, please. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. So we spent a few minutes uh, doing a lot of kind of background work. Um, let's just now talk about some of the things that people might say, that our friends might share with us. Some of them are not questions, some are comments that uh, kind of just stump you a little bit. And what I like to do is I like to be able to ask my friends questions. Uh, one, because it prevents me from renting right that's a temptation and Christians are portrayed always as uh, picking up the grenade um, and the, by the grenade I mean not a question but a comment and they'll just say all Christians are homophobes pull the pin put that at your feet and then you just go on a, well let me tell you 50 reasons why you're wrong it's like whoa relax you just gotta breathe in breathe out and be filled with grace and truth all knowing that often we don't get to every issue uh, that we want to talk about in one sitting And as families, as you're trying to teach your children um, about these things, you often don't cover the whole nine yards um, in one uh, sitting at the table, do you? So some of the time we're going to spend cleaning the debris. Maybe some misconceptions that people have about what we believe or about who we are as Christians. And so, uh, as we pray, um, we then take a deep breath and answer. Here's one thing that I always thought was really, really cool uh, that uh, an apologist called Greg Koukl Um, says if I feel that perhaps I'm going to be judged uh, for being uh, a Christian I sometimes might say this honestly and openly with a friend I might say you know this is a a really personal question that you're asking and I want to respect you I don't mind answering it but I just want to make sure that it's safe for me to offer you my views would you say that you're a tolerant person am I okay to share with you my view now without being judged sometimes that's really good to lay the groundwork in that friendship in that conversation but here's one thing people might say Um, Christians are Where are we going oh oh, it's the presentation number two and that we'll get on that bad boy it will come up it will come up Um, but here's one of the things that people might say Um, Christians are homophobic, and some helpful questions I think for us to ask are: How did you come to that conclusion? What do you mean by homophobic? Um, do they mean like a real phobia—you you really freak out if you see uh, someone who is LGBTQ plus, or do they mean perhaps that you disagree with something? Is that homophobic? You, I want to know where that person's coming from. I might even say, you know I'm a Christian, we're friends, have I been nasty to you in any way? Um, Obviously that only works if you really have not, if you have been uh, filled with grace and truth as you uh, talk with them. But another thing that someone might say is, I was born this way, and I want to say, how did you come to that conclusion? Tell me your story, I want to know, because as far as I know, there's not an agreed scientific uh, community that says this is exactly um, the truth about the issue does something being genetic mean it must be right it's another thing you might want to ask because even in a se- secular context if you're doing cognitive behavioral therapy your therapist will at some point teach you that just because you feel something that doesn't mean you should believe that feeling or that if you have a desire that desire is true for example, somebody might struggle with body integrity disorder where they might feel that their leg doesn't belong in their body and they want to hack their leg off. You would be most unloving to say because you feel it, you must do it. And so I want to start with questions. How can something that feels right be wrong or sinful? What well, is every feeling that we experience right? Would you say yes? If you knew someone who struggled with body image issues and they felt fat, but they weigh six stone or 40 kilos, you probably wouldn't say that that would be loving to say that their feeling is accurate. Sometimes to love someone does mean saying uncomfortable things. And so, if there are some desires and feelings that we don't want to encourage in that conversation, I want to ask my friend how do you know which is which because you may have agreed with me in the conversation that some you should suppress and some feelings and desires you should encourage how do you know which is which can i tell you how i come to that conclusion from the scriptures can i tell you can we read the bible together so that you can see what my god is like and you can form an opinion that's really the inning that i'm looking for the, the the in opportunity that i'm looking for if someone says right um am i going to hell then oh i must have skipped that one Um, am i going to hell then and you want to say what do you mean by that do you believe in it who goes there should anyone go there that's an opportunity for me to say can i tell you what the bible says can we just open it together can you see that i always want to bring it back to jesus in the scriptures in the context of my friendship somebody might say why are you so intolerant and i just want to clarify with them what do you mean by tolerant does that mean we must always agree with everyone all the time is there a difference between agreeing disagreeing and shunning someone is it possible to love someone and disagree with them I think that's a good question to ask think about your family do you agree with a hundred percent of what your family say and do no but hopefully you still love them you might think what about this a friend says, I wanted to let you know that I'm gay. How do you respond? Well, the most helpful way that I've found uh, to respond is in a book called Is God Anti-Gay by a guy called Sam Alberry. And if I can recommend it to you, I think it only costs like three pounds on the Good Book Company or 10 or something. But he uses this kind of, I don't know if he calls it an acronym or if I did it, but you want to walk tall with people, T-A-W-L. And he would say that T is for thanks. I want to say, and I've I've had this in a previous school where a, a, a pupil came out to me. It wasn't common knowledge that he was gay, and he wanted to just share that with me uh, at school. And I said, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I know that it must have taken a lot of courage for you to come and share that with me. And then you affirm thanks, and A for affirm. You want to say our friendship. Our relationship isn't going to change. I'm not all of a sudden going to unfriend you, even if I disagree with how you live your life. And then I want to listen. Tell me your story. How did you realize? And then finally, walking tall, T-A-L-L I want to love. Because I want to recognize that there's going to come a point in our friendship where out of love, I want to say, can I share something with you That the Bible says about Jesus because I care about you not all of those might be in the same sitting and I might you know I certainly want to talk more about Jesus than about their sexuality I want to come and say let me just tell you what Jesus says about who we are that we're sinners that we're broken that we need his forgiveness that there's a new life and once they make make up their mind about who Jesus is the pieces of their sexuality fall into place because if they believe what Jesus says they'll believe what he says about everything how can it be wrong um, oh I may have forgotten to put all the questions on there how can it be wrong if two people love each other and I want to ask my friend what's the purpose of relationships what's the purpose of marriage is love enough to justify any relationship if I say That i love someone if i really truly feel i love someone can i commit adultery with them can a parent just shirk their responsibilities towards their children because even uh, the most ardent of my friends on this who is in a same-sex relationship would tell me that even they sometimes feel desires that they don't want to feel and i want to say it's obvious to me as I read the Bible which ones are to be resisted and discouraged and which ones are to be um, encouraged and so when I say that indulging in same-sex desires is sinful and not a part of God's best plan for us I have in mind God's great love for me I have in mind that as Anne was saying her story anything that I give up I gain so much more in the love of God and that's really important for us to mention to our friends Now there's lots more that I could say um, but here's another that people might say as we almost bring things to a close why don't you just let people live however they want why do you have to try and convert them you have to try and tell them to believe something and I want to ask them is it wrong to persuade people Because at the back of my mind i'm thinking you're trying to persuade me that it's wrong to persuade people and that seems to be a contradiction right but i want to i want to mention that you think it's good to let people live how they want and that's good news and it would be harmful not to do that what if i also think that there's something about the way that god has made us that is more fulfilling satisfying and lovely and i want to share that with them can you explain to me why that wouldn't be fair And so in this part two all that we've all that we've talked about was I tried to come up with a few questions I may have missed some of the ones that you might have wanted an answer to if I have let me know Um, and I could do a separate video or something but let's finish with this thought how do we create a community where anyone whatever letter they are you know LGBTQ they would feel that they are loved and accepted, and they can hear the good news about Jesus and respond to it. I think it's a community where we remember the gospel, where we know just how broken and sinful all of us are, and it's hard for us to say, this is worse, that is worse. We remember it in our families, and we also remember God's timing. That's, there are lots of things that we could address if someone comes and visits our church or something or becomes our friend, but the most important one of them is What do you think about Jesus? Let's talk about Him. And as we finish, let me tell you about what happened in my previous church. I had the opportunity to go into our local school three times a week. It was fantastic. Got to meet lots of young people. Lots of young people who would have never set foot in a church or anything like that. And some of those young people, there were a group of about four or five of them, that after having come to Christianity, to Christian Union for several months, I discovered that whenever they weren't at Christian Union, They were at the LGBT club. And I think what shocked me about this was we actually had a time where we did tough questions and we discussed this question and I told them what the Bible says um, about same-sex attraction uh, and about lots of other things and we had a really civil, cordial discussion about it. And I mean, these are like year 9, 10, 11 young people. And the amazing thing that surprised me is they kept coming because they knew that we cared about them That they were safe there that we love them even if we didn't agree with how they chose to live similarly um, uh, uh, one of the pupils who uh, as I mentioned to you was gay felt comfortable enough even though he knew what I believed to share that with me and two of those pupils actually came and did work experience with us which was awesome because they were hearing what the Bible says about lots of things and even though they were still able to say, I don't believe, they felt loved and welcomed enough that they could do that. My prayer as we finish this session is, may we be a welcoming community where people can come and hear the good news about Jesus, find forgiveness, and not feel, you know, that we are in any way the stereotypes that the media portrays Christians to be. Let me pray for us um, before we finish our time together and sing one more time the Heavenly Father it's really hard to say everything there is to say and some of us like me I'd love to just have more friends who are part of the LGBT community uh, where genuine friendships that I could have would teach me a lot about what it means to share the gospel and to love them as you love them father give us opportunities um, Perhaps it might not be the case that we meet someone uh, that we're going to share this with, but we might be able to equip someone else. Please help us. We want more and more people to know forgiveness of sins, to know uh, the loving embrace um, of being a part of your family. And we pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would open blind eyes and help people to enjoy uh, you. In Jesus' name, Amen.